This is Too Tough to Fail. I'm Tavi Fulkerson, and this podcast is all about people overcoming personal and professional challenges. In this episode, I talk to a man who survived Hurricane Ian and has a message for all of us about resilience, bravery, and defying all odds. Meet Casey Streeter, a Florida resident and business owner who lost everything. Casey, thank you so much for taking time today with us, given all the things you have to do. Tell us about your business and also what's been happening with you as a result of Hurricane Ian. I'm the owner of Island Seafood Market, uh, Matt Lachey. Uh, we've also got a retail location on Sanibel Island. A 20-year resident of, of Pine Island. Uh, we rode the storm out in Matt Lachey. Yeah, I mean, it was incredible. I mean, from the wind and the water and uh, the destruction that we saw, it just unreal unreal you're a very brave soul and i have seen some of the pictures and i believe matt lachey is near the bridge over to pine island is that correct yes it's a very small little connection between cape coral and pine island it's like a little funky little art village it's got a lot had a lot of charm really incredible place little bars and art shops and things of that nature now from what i understand the bridge between Matt Lachey and Pine Island was completely destroyed. Yeah, so, I mean, during the storm with the surge, the entire east side of our bridge before the drawbridge was basically wiped out. All the houses and businesses, and uh, there's a a bar and restaurant and a couple other things. It, It had to have been the most frightening experience. How did you realize that the storm was becoming more and more severe? You're there. You think you're going to ride it through like other hurricanes I'm sure you've experienced. Thursday, I believe it was, or Friday, we saw the cones start to tighten up. And Sunday, we were expecting it to go to Tampa or towards the Panhandle. Uh, Monday morning, it really started to tighten in right on us. Uh, So we had about 24 hours to get boats ready, put our shutters up, get our houses ready. We were in really not much time at all. In the storm, you know, we really, in Matt Lachey, we really never left the eye wall. I mean, we we saw saw the uh, the sky light up to the uh, west a little bit as if we were going to get in the eye wall. But then after about a minute of that, it got darker and it blew harder. And I mean, it blew from the east. And then when it came out of the south, southwest, uh, we saw the water in our canal rise about five feet in five minutes. And I actually had, had my kids with us, about five and 10 year old, my mother-in-law and, and Katie. And I said, you know, pack a bag. I got in my truck to see if we could drive out. And water's going over top of the truck and the back end was wanting to float up. But there was a car that was in front of me that had actually stalled out as well. What did you do next? I ended up having to turn around. Uh, at the end of the road, there was a gentleman that was in a two-story house, and he was taking some stuff out of the garage to get it out of the water that was coming up. So I said, hey, I've got kids, and, and, and you know, can we come in? And he said, absolutely. So by the time I left the corner and got to my mother-in-law's house and came back, it went from knee-deep to waist-deep water in the road. So we've got a 45-foot commercial boat sitting on our ice house. And we actually had a commercial fisherman that that's his business. That's all he has. He rode the storm out or tried to ride the storm out on the boat. I mean, obviously, they ended up having to get off and seek refuge at higher levels. About 1230 after the wind stopped, it was still probably about knee deep water, a little higher. They were the first car to come into Matt Lachey trying to check on these guys to see if they're alive or see if we could help anybody. We had to walk in because the telephone poles were down and we realized the road was gone. We're, We're standing there with spotlights and trying to see if. We can see or hear anybody. And then the fire department, the captain of the fire department pulled up next to us. And we just looked at each other and I'm like, what do we do? And he goes, we, we really don't know. He said several hours ago, we had over 100 calls uh, for rescue that we couldn't get to. And we haven't had phone for several hours. So he knew that there was many more. 
I mean, it was it was surreal. This is truly an incredible story. It's so frightening, but you kept full speed ahead. That's it's unbelievable. Oh, it was unreal, you know. And then the next morning, we were out. First of all, checking to see if our captains were alive, see if we could help them, and they were. Everyone was all right. We immediately went into helping people, helping us search and rescue, hauling supply lines. I mean, look, I'm a commercial fisherman, and our fisheries were devastated. Okay, uh, I mean, we lost our fish house, we lost our, our retail market on Sandville, our house got flooded in St. James. Four out of the five fish houses on our island are gone. A lot of the boats are sunk. A lot of the gear has been lost for our stone crabbers. And But even knowing all of our fishermen knew that they'd lost everything for that entire week, it was all fishermen in our community hauling supplies and helping people. I mean, look, we, we lost basically everything, and we're doing a million times better than a lot of the people on the island. In the center of the storm, when it was, you know, you're, at, you're with your family, was there a time where you thought, you know, you might not make it? As intense as it was, I mean, it, it's all on how you handle it. It's all on how you control your emotions. I mean, never any sense that we were going to make it. We were always going to make it, and we were going to be okay. And, you know, when you convey that, that calmness and confidence, our, our kids were never really scared. They just, hey, you know, this is what we're doing right now. We're driving down the road, and it's full of water, but we're going to another house, and we're all right. You know, and, and we wanted to keep our composure. You keep that control. And I think it's really important. I mean, it's just kind of something that just kicks in. And more so, we were worried for other people. I know that Pine Island was just decimated. Oh, it was, it was yeah, I mean, decimated. And it's a blue-collar island. I mean, there's a, a lot of hardworking people out there. But again, the silver lining of these things is to see how like a community actually rises to the occasion to help each other, to help people that you don't even know. Is just understanding, you know, how human nature is just awesome thing. And a lot of people were in a bad way before this storm, and now they're in a very bad way. We don't care who you are. That is the enduring message of, of this whole horrible hurricane experience. And the bravery, the way you're talking about it, is, is really special uh, to learn and hear about. How long do you think it's going to take to be able to kind of get back to any sense of normalcy? Well, I mean, I think, I think we're going to have a new normal for a while. I mean, you know, when you see the devastation and you're here and you see the place that you love just completely flipped upside down and you think about the recovery, I mean, it, it, it gets overwhelming when it is a one day at a, at a time thing. I mean, we're a really tight-knit community there on Pine Island. We want to be open as soon as possible. And in the beginning, when our road was gone, they said, hey, it's going to take maybe four months to put a road in. And they put a road in in one week. One of the local contractors on our island, Steve Haunch, he owns Haunch Construction. He really drove it home to get it done. You know, our federal support was decent, but not great. Our state support was great. Basically, Governor DeSantis said, if you can get the road fixed, let's do it. Pine Island wants to fix itself. And we did. And now I just heard that the Sandville Causeway was allowing some uh, utility trucks over. So, again, what we thought in the beginning would be weeks and months has turned into just days and weeks. So I, I want to say that our recovery is going to come back. I mean, our people are resilient. We don't have a choice. We have to come back. We have to do it as fast as possible. This is a new chapter, especially on our island. So it's it's still being written. But just the general consensus and, and the vibe on our island is, you know, hey, we're, we're going to come back. We're going to come back. We're going to be better than what we were before. We're going to continue this free tradition of our island. Great to be part of. I have no doubt <laughs> that you're going to come back in your communities better than ever. 
you know, when you watch disasters on television, it's not the same as when you experience it. I came down to Florida to check on some things that happened to us. We lost a car, a few other things, nothing compared to what's happened to you. It's just astonishing to see all the people out doing hard work, coming out to help each other, as you mentioned. But there's just sort of a a traumatic um, feeling about it. There's different smells. There's different things that... Um, that you see that you've never seen before, whole houses right on front lawns. Um, And, you know, right now we're in the middle of a thunderstorm, so I'm sure that's not helping things. But you still want to stay. You you still want to stay. You don't want to leave. No. So when you come into Matlache and you come to the fish house, it's it's a real beacon for our island. It's a place where people come. They know that, you know, that's community-based fishing at its best. We fish for our community. And, And our spot is something that everyone sees when they pass. And, once they were done with the road, we wanted to make sure that our, our parking lot and building was gutted in days because we want people to know that we are building back. And, I, you know, people are honking and they're waving and they're yelling and we've got our sign up that we'll be back soon. That helps drive people to make sure that, you know, when you feel helpless and you say, wow, this is just going to be impossible, but you know other people are carrying on and doing it, it's going to drive you. It's going to light your fire, I feel like. We want to be that for people in our area and we want to help uplift them if, and they've uplifted us. I think some will go, but I think the majority will stay and rebuild, and they're going to be writing that chapter, that next chapter of our island and our area. One of the questions that some people have is, you mentioned about the fish, how nature was impacted. The water's different right now. I mean, all the oyster bars and the things and the way that the water used to be are completely changed. No markers, debris everywhere. And the water and the fishery, I mean, they took a beating like our land did. It just, we don't see it because it's under the water, but I mean... A lot of the things, the impacts that we've had on our fishery, you know, other than what you can physically see with your eyes, we don't know. You know, again, the bottom's changed. Our oyster bars are moved around. You know, our mangroves are are just really beat down. And thank God for our mangroves because they really protected our island against storm surge. Effects on it will unfold in the weeks, months, and maybe years to come. But, I mean, the water and the fisheries are as resilient as our people, so I know that they will come back, and I've seen them come back from red tides and other things that we were really involved with. So I know how tough the water is, you know. But the one thing that I'll say that is vulnerable is, you know, our working waterfronts in in our fishermen because, you know, there may be only a dozen working waterfronts on the west coast of Florida. And a working waterfront would be a, a fish house on the water where boats pull up, bring their catch, and execute their fishery. So when we lose our working waterfronts, they never come back as a fishery again. They come back as another business or a development or whatever the case may be. And when we've seen our fishery infrastructure, which our fish houses are, be destroyed, you're going to lose your fishermen. They're going to take land jobs. You're going to lose your dockage. You're going to lose all these things that never come back to access for a commercial industry. So really, Southwest Florida is really on a verge of maybe potentially losing a huge percentage of its history and its fisheries, which will be devastating to our local economies and, and, and the culture of this area. You know, you've got a, a shrimp boat fleet in Fort Myers, which was decimated. It's worth about $200 million a year, and they've only got three functional boats now. If you knew a hurricane was coming your way again, would you evacuate? Knowing and seeing what I've seen now, the importance of being there right after to help people, I, I wouldn't be able to leave because I just know I know the faces and the names of the people that would need help. I, I, I wouldn't leave. That is uh, so impressive, so so brave. And I guess the overall message that you're telling us, Casey, is things are things. 
It's the people that make all the difference. That's it, 100%. The people make our community and our community strong, so we will be back. I look forward to meeting you in person, having your wonderful seafood, and I wish you all the best in the days ahead, and thank you again. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about what's going on around here. Thank you. Join us next time for more stories of heroism and resilience. If you have a story you'd like to tell, please email me at tavi at too tough to fail.com.